Back on the morning show, the big news of the day, Jim Harbaugh makes it official and heads back to the NFL to coach Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. He's been wanting to do this for the last couple years. It seemed like he was almost desperate to get back to the NFL. So desperate that, you know, maybe he had orchestrated a whole cheating scandal or been okay with the whole cheating scandal at Michigan to get his wins and losses up so they could get back to the NFL and get out of college. But he finally does it. He heads to Los Angeles. To me, the Chargers, you know, it's a home run. To Harbaugh, it makes perfect sense. You have a franchise quarterback and an underachieving team, and and Harbaugh's track record is as good as it comes in the NFL. Bob, what was your takeaway? I think it's the the right destination for him. It's a win win. Um, you know, Chargers need to make some sort of splash, particularly in that market. There's just yeah, you, know, you have the Rams, you have. You know the Lakers, the Dodgers. Just from a professional sports perspective, you, you it's going to be they've been getting lost in the shuffle, and uh, so I think that that helps them uh, a great deal bringing someone in the caliber of uh, of Harbaugh as a coach, um, and that's where I always felt he would end up. I, I just couldn't imagine him. I know he had been talking with Atlanta and other, you know, maybe maybe it was only Atlanta besides the Chargers, but I just couldn't see him there. Um, so yeah, I, 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 think it's, I think it's the right fit. Uh, he gets out of town at the right time. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, it's kind of Pete Carroll-ish in that regard. You know, I mean, Carroll maybe had more stuff hanging over him than even Harbaugh does, but it's still, it's, it felt some, I felt some similarities there. Yeah. I think the similarities of, of jumping ship at the right moment, definitely there. Um, I don't, I don't think Carroll was as thought of as much of a home run, I guess, right. because of his his lack of NFL success the first go around. But because I mean Harbaugh, I mean Harbaugh's Harbaugh's a stud. I mean his his years in San Francisco. I mean three of them he won at least eleven games. The fourth one, his down year, was eight and eight. So I mean, like he he took over a losing franchise. That I mean, just looking at it, the 49ers hadn't had a winning record. From 2003 all the way to 2010. Now, one year they went 8-8, eight and eight, but, like, the rest of those years they had a losing record. And then the first year he's there, he takes them to the conference championship and goes 13-3. and three. So, like, if you're the Chargers, you're looking at that and saying, yeah, like, the, the fact we've been losers for a decade and we're a punchline and just finding ways to lose with Phillip Rivers always having the ball down five with a minute left and no timeouts. Like, Phillip Rivers did that for five years. They'd have the ball, a minute left, him having to try to go down and score, and he's getting close, and he's getting sacked, and then he's kicking the ball, and he's sad, and he's mad. <laughs> and, then, and then Justin Herbert has recreated their ways to lose. Brandon Staley did a good job of kind of recreating how they were going to lose, whether it be, like, going for fourth downs on their side of the field. I went, I, go ahead. I, no, I was just going to say, I went from feeling in his early stage of his career as a coach that he was brash and – taking some risks and I was like, God, I like it. And then, and I'm not even a Chargers fan, but by the end I was like, man, what the hell are you doing? And so you imagine a Chargers fan had to be painful. Well, from whenever I would watch them, you know, like it's one thing if you're the brash, aggressive coach, like Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell gets to be brash and aggressive, but Dan Campbell is going to do that all the time. Like he, he did it in the playoff game last week. He was still going aggressive 
going for fourth downs near the goal line. Brandon Staley's problem was half the time he wanted to be really brash, and the other time he was really scared. He was the the buff dog meme dog meme. That's what he was. Like it, there were sometimes he'd be really stout and really tough, and other times he'd be out. We know, got a punt. It's fourth and one from the forty. You got to do it, and it's like it's like hitting on sixteen and blackjack. Bob, they say if you're going to hit on 16 and blackjack, you yeah. got to hit every time. Yeah. Yeah. You can't try to do it off field. You got to be like, ah, oh, you're just, just going to commit to that strategy and hope the numbers bear out. But it's, you can't start being all, you know, inconsistent with your approach. And that, to me, that was Brandon Staley's biggest problem is I just thought he was inconsistent for a while. And then eventually the team just started hating him. And he was a defensive coordinator and his defense was awful. But Harbaugh's a winner. He's been a winner at Stanford. He was a winner. Was it San Diego State, I guess, where he got started? Or? San Diego U. San Diego U, okay, sorry, yeah. yeah. San Diego U, he was a winner. Stanford was a winner. Michigan, of course, a winner. The 49ers, he was a winner. So, like, I do think this was, to me, maybe the best coach on the market when you look at age and career trajectory. Like, to me, getting Jim Harbaugh may be more impressive than getting Bill Belichick at this point. I think you're right. I, I love it as an NFL fan too, because you know he he brings his uh, his unique personality to the pros now. And um, I always think back to some of those moments, like he had that one where uh, it was against the Lions and Jim Schwartz. Do you remember that they met at midfield yeah. after the yeah. game and just you know he he rubs people the wrong way for sure uh, by whatever he does and. He's a great coach, and I think that little wrinkle just—I think it fits better in the NFL. The NFL's kind of got that level of drama anyway, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited as just a, a football fan in general. Yeah, you know, I wish he was in the NFC, and you know, maybe if the Bears had come come open, I think he would yeah. fit like with a Chicago Bear franchise. But going to LA, you know, I don't know if he makes a dent and makes the Chargers relevant. You know, I don't I don't think they can catch the Rams there who have won a Super Bowl in town. He's not they're not definitely going to catch the Lakers and Dodgers. But like maybe he at least makes them relevant now. Maybe, you know, they're more relevant today than they were yesterday. It's going to be interesting to see like that's a team with certainly they had talent and some offensive weapons. Some guys regressed this year. Austin Eckler did for sure. I had him on my fantasy team and he pretty much killed me at the end of the season. Um, so I, th- I think he's got some weapons. We've obviously talked about Herbert. Uh, a lot of mock drafts are saying that the Chargers, you know, I think they have the fifth pick. A lot of people are forecasting them to make a run at Brock Bowers, which would make sense. Um, I, I don't know where they stand in terms of what they have in terms of salary cap to work with and things like that. Terrible. That's why. They're, I, they're like $30 million over the cap. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's that's a little bit of a challenge. I, I just think they do have some pieces there more so than what that team looked like at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I guess Brock Bowers would make sense. But if I'm Harbaugh, I, I think – I, th- I think my first priority is kind of trying to get some defensive talent in there because I thought the defense was pretty bad. You hope that, like, Herbert can elevate the offense. And and everyone's been talking for a long time about how good Justin Herbert is. And, you know, you see some throws that make you drop drop your jaw. I mean, he has a really good deep ball. But to me, like, he's just kind of a, a loser and he's been kind of inconsistent. Like, even going back to Oregon, I thought he was a loser. Like, I, I thought that Oregon teams with him kind of underachieved and found ways to blow games that they shouldn't have. Now, you could say whether or not that was him or Cristobal, 
and that's fine. Like, Crystal Ball has done it at Miami, right? Crystal Ball has gone there and continued to kind of be a loser that finds ways to choke games away. And in the NFL, you can look and say it's it's not Herbert, it's Brandon Staley. That guy's terrible. And that's fine. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's just had bad coaching. But starting today, those excuses for Justin Herbert are out the window. Because, like, again, he, he now has a guy that, for my money, is the second best. Or let me rephrase that. He is a top two quarterback developer. He is a top two quarterback guy. I'm not even necessarily saying he is second. He might be first. But for me, it's him. It's Andy Reid. If you want to put Shanahan up there, make it a top three, that's fine with me. When you're looking at across all sports or all NFL or all football levels, I guess I should say, like those are the three guys to me. His name's on that list. And he's done it at in college. He's done it in the NFL. He did it with Alex Smith. And, you know, got him to elevate his game. He got it with, did it with Colin Kaepernick. He got to college. He did it with J.J. McCarthy. Couldn't really get through to Joe Milton, but, you know, what can you do? <laughs> but now he's got Justin Herbert, a guy we look at as, a, as one of the top talents in the league. And maybe he can get him to put it all together. I was looking, trying to locate, what was their regular season record? Was it 5-12? and 12? That so, sounds right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's a, a leap to say he can get them, you know, in year one to – I do think there's enough pieces there that he could get them to eight and nine, nine and eight. You know, they're competitive in the division. Well, maybe not with Kansas City, but um, maybe in the playoff conversation at least till the last couple of weeks of the season. I think that's reasonable. That team, I think they should have been playing that way this year, honestly. Well, qu- well quite frankly, I think that would be a disappointment. Like if they're eight and year nine, one? yeah. If they're eight and nine, I mean, I just told you, like he took the 49ers over, who hadn't had a winning season in seven years, and he got them to thirteen and three. You know, I'm not asking him to recreate that, and you know, get to the conference championship and be a a fumbled punt away. Like they should have probably won that conference championship. They're at home against the Giants, and you know, their punt returner just fumbled a punt and set the Giants up for a game winning field goal in overtime. Like they could have easily had gone to that Super Bowl, and you know, taken on that Patriots team that I didn't think was you know great by any means. But, yeah, like to me, like the Chargers are kind of in a situation where I think, you know, playoffs are bust and, and 10 and 7 is kind of the numbers I'm looking at. Sam, where do you come in on that side? Like, do you think Harbaugh, the Harbaugh effect is enough to kind of elevate them to that level? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, obviously he's a hell of a coach. And like you said, he's come in and, and won everywhere he's gone at. I think, to be honest with you, I think this this new GM has the hardest job, maybe not Harbaugh. I think this is a. You know, Bob, like you were saying, they don't have any any cap room at all. They're uh, $45 million over the cap for this wow. year, the second least cap space in the uh, in the league behind the Chargers. Uh, Who's number one? Behind the Chargers. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, they, uh, the they, Saints. They Saints. are the Chargers. They are the Chargers. Yeah. Yes, they are. Um, the, Saints, the Saints, I believe, are number one. Yeah, yeah, the Saints have been kicking the can down the road for yeah, a while. For but a they have time. they've been able to keep saying the salary cap isn't real. But, like, eventually the bill has to come due for some of these teams. So, Okay, the fact the Chargers are so far over, maybe that maybe that changes things. I think you might um, just see some of those vets get cut, though. Sure. Like, Khalil yeah. Max do, like, $40 million. Like, I think you might see him gone. They might move on from, like, a Keenan Allen, maybe, at this point in his career. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. I mean, okay. So that, that maybe changes things if they're able to – if they're, if they're uh, forced to get rid of some of their key contributors. You know, maybe that does afford him. I've heard Bosa is a potential, like, trade float out there wow. to try and get some, you know – get you know, valuable assets back for him. 
Yeah, yeah. See, they they kind of missed their window of cheap quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now the quarterback's going to get expensive, and yeah. they're going to have to figure out the rest of the team. Yep. We need them to be good, though. I my favorite uniforms and maybe all of professional sports. I love them, man. I just uh, love seeing them play in those uh, powder blue powder blue uniforms. I don't know if I can go that far of saying I need them to be good. I am more interested in them now, though, than I was, you know, the last handful of years. So, like, I I do like Harbaugh, even if he cheated and won a title and and then ditched the program right as you know that maybe the NCAA does something to him although hell who knows the NCAA doesn't have any teeth left anymore they're that, an old dog that's a good question though is he and I, I have a friend who likes Harbaugh a lot I, I don't find him likable at all um, I, I, I can't even uh, he's just such a strange personality um that doesn't mean he's a bad person or anything else. I just – he's tough for me to like. He's quirky, and I kind of like it. I mean, it's also – you're able to laugh and make fun of him, too. So, like, you know, the yeah. the sleepover with the high school recruit was weird. The the milk stuff, the chicken stuff, you know, his post-game, his press conferences, his fighting. His khakis. His khakis, yeah. I mean, him trying to fight Jim Schwartz in the NFL. I mean, like in college – he he wasn't perfect there either. So yeah, like he is uh he's a character though. He's a character and I, I do find myself liking him. Even going back to his 49ers days, you know, I kinda liked him. I need Schwartz and Harbaugh to recreate that that handshake at the end of the game. <laughs> Schwartz, I I guess, you know, kind of uh I don't know if it's surprising or not, but didn't get any kind of offers to, you know, head yeah. coaching interviews or anything after coaching a pretty good Browns defense. So I don't know if the Browns and uh, Chargers are crossing paths next year, but yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know Jim Harbaugh and Dan Campbell or something. You know, we'll just maybe it'll switch it and just be the whoever's coaching the Lions and Jim Harbaugh mixes it up. But yeah, we'll look at it from the Michigan point of view after the break and kind of see what's what's next for them and how it affects college football and how it affects Tennessee and whether or not it does affect Tennessee. Sam says to break. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Kick it off, hour number two here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Got to say, Sam, uh, bad job by you coming up with your list. Some tweeters pointed it out. One tweeter wrote in, uh, David Shaw, of course. Mm. Yeah. Who, ironically enough, or uh, he said ironically. I don't know if I'm going to give it ironic. Don't, I don't think this is irony. But just says, follow Jim Harbaugh at Stanford, of course. So, I mean, Harbaugh's done this twice. And it worked out pretty good for David Shaw, too. No no. Playoff, no national championship, of course. And then, yeah, a handful of people pointing out Bob uh, Fulmer. They yes. would say Fulmer, similar thing. Ryan Day, Marcus Freeman. Ryan Day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some guys. There's some guys. What are you doing, Dabo? Dabo wasn't a coordinator, I don't think, but maybe he was by the time he took over. I know he was a wide receivers coach for a while, but good job by the audience. Bad job by you, Sam. I got one. Yeah. Right. Who, Kirby? Or whatever I got the hell Lincoln you Riley. Said. I got Lincoln Riley. Whatever the hell you said was Scott Frost. I, I said know. Lincoln Riley. You did get Lincoln Riley, but then you also said Scott Frost, which I still haven't figured out. But Dabo Day, so <laughs> the Scott Frost one. I said I will say I forgot that we were doing school to school. Yeah, I, I was going from like you're just you know, coordinator. I don't know. I don't know what the hell you were doing. So Dabo <laughs> national champion Ryan Day playoff 
Marcus Freeman, book's still out on him. Yeah, I'm not going to say that one. Yeah, no, book's still out on him. But so it seems like it works out more than it doesn't. No one's pointed out any losers. Well, honestly, maybe Ryan Day is, is a little bit too close to tell also. In terms of being a loser? I think he's kind of a loser. No, I, I think he's a loser, too. I, I do think he's a loser, too, but he at least has made a playoff. And yeah, yeah. If you're Michigan, do you sign up for Ryan, for Ryan Day? Yeah. Like, if, if you're telling me Sharon Moore keeps that rolling at least to Ryan Day's level, do you take that? Maybe. I would assume so. I mean, I know we think Ryan Day's a loser, but they've still been in the top ten every year. They still only lose one game a year, just to Michigan. I've got another one. It's old, though. It's old? Yeah, but... Are we going to know the names? You will. I don't think Sam will. Okay. Um, Bob Toledo at UCLA. No. Took over for Terry know. Donahue. No. You give me too much credit. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> he was pretty successful there for a little bit, too. Okay. That was back when I was living in L.A. That's the only reason I remember that. Okay. Would that have been like during the Troy Aikman days? Or? Yes. Okay. Or post-Troy Aikman. Okay. Yeah, okay. post-Troy Aikman. So, yeah, it does seem like these big schools that have actually done it have had success with it. So maybe maybe more will be a beast in Michigan. Who knows? All right, Sam, let's redeem yourself because you were really, really bad at coming up with a list of people <laughs> I asked you for. Let's redeem yourself with some things we might have missed last night. And if that doesn't work out, you're sticking with just traffic. Yeah, yeah. You've been doing Let's good at traffic. Good job by you on traffic. I haven't, I haven't messed up traffic. Uh, yeah, in the uh, news of sports last night, the Utah Jazz Ownership Group, the Smith Entertainment Group, has requested the NHL to initiate an expansion process uh, that would bring a team to Utah. Uh, this is a pair- wait, wait, a hockey team in Utah? A hockey team in Utah. I mean, it does make sense. Right. I mean, I yeah, like they it, should it, have one already. It does seem like Utah should have a hockey team. It seems like they would embrace them. The Jazz, I mean, I don't know where they rank in terms of attendance, but whenever I watch Jazz games, it always seems kind of full. It seems like they really embrace the team and want to be a professional town and all those things. And it's cold in Utah. You can convince me that people grow up playing hockey and skating there, like getting out on the ice. So, yeah, okay. I like this. Yeah, they're saying that in the the people who are – you know, this ownership group is saying that as well. They said, uh, we've been impressed by Ryan and Ashley Smith's commitment to their community and their passion and vision for Utah, uh, not only as a hockey market, but a preeminent sports and entertainment destination. It's a promising market, and we look forward to continuing our discussion. So it seems like the NHL is interested in it, and obviously Utah is as well. I think it'll be great. Now, my question to you, and maybe you don't know or maybe they haven't said, but would they just add one team? Because right now they have even teams, right? I, I believe so, like they yeah. Had, they had Vegas for a little bit, and then Seattle came. So maybe this would be a similar situation where they have, um, you know, this team come in Utah, and then a couple years later find another one. Yeah, it seemed like they weren't – I mean, you know, with Seattle, it seems like they weren't too, you know, too busy to try to go get a, another team to, like, even out the numbers or whatever. So I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're going to get another expansion team here in the next couple of years, but that seems like quite the process. I mean, to me, it feels like if you're bringing a team in, you should bring in two. Yeah, I, I would I would think the same thing. Wait, what the hell is the NFL doing? I mean, I, I kind of remember, but not really. Were they at 31 teams until the Texans? Bob, do you remember? Yeah, they had an odd number. You're right. For a while? They did. for Well, for a few years, for sure. Like after the Panthers? Because the Panthers would have been the last expansion team before then, right? Panthers and Jaguars came in at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, no. You know what? I wonder if it – now, maybe it was 30 because, remember, for a, little, for a while, Cleveland didn't have a team. Oh, uh, okay. 
right once they moved to Baltimore. So I think that's what that's what happened. Okay, um, so they brought Cleveland back around what, like ninety nine? Yeah, that right. Yeah, that sounds right. Is it the Jaguars were around before then? Yeah, because the Panthers came in like what ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, they again they came in at the same time. So so to your point, then yes, there probably was an odd number uh, leading up to Cleveland. Oh, Ravens came in ninety six. Okay, right. Panthers, Jaguars, ninety three. So that was the first time they had expanded since '74. Yeah. Okay. Odd number of expansion teams just seems seems like a logistical nightmare. It does seem like kind of hockeyish, though. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's true. Ho- hockey can't grow as quickly as the other sports. So like, hey, we'll take our time. We'll yeah. do one team. Like when the NBA expands, and they're going to expand within the next five years, I would say to Vegas and Seattle. Mm-hmm. If I was guessing, that, that seems to be the reports coming. You know, from from insiders there, like you know, they'll do two and yeah, sixteen and sixteen. I'm not surprised, though, as far as uh, the pursuit of a, an expansion team in Utah. This uh, this owner uh, of the Jazz, Ryan Smith, who is leading the ownership team that's trying to pursue the hockey team, uh, he's uh, he is absolutely an aggressive dude. He's a billionaire that just took over the ownership of the Jazz recently, and um, yeah, definitely, definitely someone who is on the move so i i have no doubt that they're going to be very intentional about trying to get a franchise there and it makes sense honestly i mean that's that is kind of a i i do think i I didn't think of it till it came up but like john said a few minutes ago when you think about nhl hockey utah i think snow um i think uh it, it just i think those fans would support it. I, I don't doubt it at all. Well, yeah. Plus, it's going to be in a market that doesn't have too much going mm-hmm. on. Correct. Right? Like right. It, it, they can support that team kind of wholeheartedly, kind of like how Portland does with the Trailblazers. That's kind of all they got up there. True. I know they eventually added the Timbers and MLS, but they support that team too. Because wasn't there some buzz for a MLB team going out to Utah for a little bit? Oh, I don't know about that. I think there was some Salt Lake buzz for a, really? for an MLB team. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know about that. Uh. NFL news, the Miami Dolphins and their defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, have mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, Vic Fangio, obviously a, a legendary defensive mind, uh, came over and, and was working with Mike McDaniel. Uh, the, the rumor has it that apparently uh, the Eagles are, are going to be you know pretty involved here with, with Fangio. That one's a little, a little scary to me, getting Vic Fangio up in, up in Philly in that defense. Uh, it seems like they could just go right back to having a nasty defense. Yeah, it seems like a get-out-of-jail-free card for mm-hmm. the Eagles, who are kind of scrambling trying to yeah. fix that defense and fix you know Sirianni's tenure. And they got to find them uh, an offensive coordinator now. I did see a headline where he admits, like, yeah, the offense got a little stale at times last year. And I'm like, yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah, the offense was very stale. But Fangio, I thought, was awesome in Miami. But apparently McDaniel – and the Dolphins are allowing him to move closer to home. I guess he's from that area or okay. has family in that area or whatever. Like, it seems a little surprising. Maybe maybe Fangio's like, hey, uh, I'm going to do the Bobby Petrino thing, and I'm going to go be a coordinator for a coach that might get fired halfway through the year. Maybe I get to take over. I don't know. But he's from Dunmore, Pennsylvania. I don't know where that's at in relation to Philadelphia. But he's a Pennsylvania guy, and he consulted with them in 2022. Okay, you're right about the Miami defense, though. I, I I thought they were pretty strong until everybody just started getting hurt, murdered. Yeah, the, it was. There yeah, was... the injuries kind of just you know completely derailed that team. Exactly, in exactly. I mean, he's he's thought of as a 
top level coordinator. Oh, he's yeah. a, he's oh, a yeah. top five guy in terms of just defense. So, you know, like head coach wasn't great, you know, in in Denver. Was very bad as a head coach. But as a defensive coordinator, he's coached some really good defenses. Yeah. That 49ers defense with Harbaugh going back to that from 11 to 14. Uh, and then with the Bears from 15 to 18 when they were good. And then, yeah, they got the Broncos job. That didn't go well. But the defense is always good. Yeah, every defense he's touched, I feel like he's turned to gold besides, yeah, like you're saying, that, that head coaching job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rounding it out here, uh, you know, we talked about it yesterday, the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin, uh, and they do go ahead and, and hire Doc Rivers. Uh, an interesting one, I think. It's going to be, uh, you know, very interesting to see how the rest of this season plays out with the Bucks being in second place. Obviously, the a strong thirty and thirteen record, and and obviously Doc Rivers' shortcomings, I think, is uh, you know a nice way to say it for his career in the in the postseason. So we'll see how far this Bucks team can get. Did you see any of the video on social media of the Bucks in their yes. uh, warm up line? He seemed very happy that he oh was gone. Oh my god, it was like <laughs> it was like a tribal dance yeah. or something, man. It was unbelievable. Are you allowed to do that? I don't Is know. Is that not that. in poor taste to dance like literally dance on someone's grave? Yeah. Like you won the power struggle players, like you got the coach you didn't want fired. Are you allowed to literally dance on his grave? Guess so. I assume they won last night. They, they did. They yeah. did, yeah. Yeah, yeah triple-double for Giannis. So. Well, I, I'm not – you know, Giannis, I think, can get blamed for being a coach killer here, and, you know, it happens. It's kind of a, a rite of passage for every NBA star. At some point you get a coach fired, you look at LeBron, and, yeah. you know, he got David Blatt fired with even a better record than, yeah. than Griffin had. Kevin Durant got Steve Nash fired. Magic Johnson got his coach fired. Uh, I, I don't know if Jordan got credit for getting Doug Collins fired or not, but they got they fired Doug Collins and went to to Phil Jackson. I don't know what the narrative was there back in the you know the the early nineties, but it's a rite of passage. So Giannis now got his coach fired, pulled a power move and and won out, and then literally danced on his grave. But I will say Giannis. He, it wasn't like he was dogging it this season. Like he, he's almost been too competitive in, in Milwaukee in their games. Like he's he's almost wanted to win too much in the regular season. Where you're kind of like, calm down a little bit, bros. Wait to the playoffs. <laughs> At least wait to the All Star break. <laughs> right. So him, him dancing and that. Like I, it wasn't like he was mailing it in, but he uh, won the power struggle. Also, Sam, a little bit of breaking news along those same lines. Uh, not that it really matters, but Washington, the Washington Wizards have officially fired their head coach, Wes okay. <laughs> Un- Unseld Jr. He is officially out and will move to a front office role. And they're, you know, as they kind of, uh, I guess, put him out of his misery, for lack of a better term. Gonna, like, I, I, I have no idea what that franchise is doing. They they rebuild and rebuild and rebuild, and it's it's always the same result. He was 77 and 130 in his two plus seasons with the Wizards. But, like, to me, I mean, to me, that's on par for like what they are. They, for maybe my money, they've got to be a bottom, a bottom three franchise since I've like been keeping up with sports. I mean, basically, since the year 2000, they feel like a bottom three franchise. Now, I'm excluding hockey, Sam, so if there are any train wrecks in hockey, don't come at me. And, well, actually, the <laughs> the Atlanta Thrashers actually just 
quit. They they dodge on. They, they I, honestly, I don't know I how they are. The, the Wizards are probably way worse than any NHL teams do. Yeah, right like now. the Wizards have been bad, bad and embarrassing. Like the one time they did have any type of success. Their franchise player brought pistols into the locker room to protect himself from another player that wanted to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. I, when you think of that, as far as like worst franchises ever, or at least worst franchises in the current, you know, era, they're there for sure at the bottom three. There might be another NBA team. I mean, Detroit is is on a heater as far as being bad right now. Yeah, at least they won a championship though. Like uh, Washington has too, but it's been a long. Well, no, no, I, I meant in the last uh, yeah, like twenty years. I mean, I know Washington, you know, the Bullets back in what the seventies, like seventy six or so, I yeah, think around that yeah. year. But I'm talking about like the not even the Bad Boys Pistons, but like Chauncey Billups and and Rip, Rip Hamilton. Like they beat the Lakers in a finals during my lifetime, so that that seemed kind of cool. And they made another finals. Was it the very next year, I guess, against the Spurs? I believe they played in 05 against the Spurs the very next year. So, like, they had some success. But, yeah, they're on a bad streak. I mean, they are currently as bad as any any franchise over the last, you know, maybe like six years, if you just make it the six years, the Pistons are near the bottom. But at least I've seen them have success. I'm scrolling through Washington's record by year, and I feel like this is very hard, but, like, they haven't had one – 50 win season? No. Since 1980? Not even win 50 games once. They, they, um, their big success was just a couple years ago. I think they made a play in game for the playoffs, and yeah. that was, and that was it. I mean, they, that's like, I believe they actually won that play in game, Bob, because Westbrook had like a triple double, and that was when Westbrook got on a tear the last, last like month and a half of the season, yes. and they they made they made the playoffs and then got smacked by the Sixers I believe in the in the actual uh, rounds whenever they get to the playoffs. They, it was Indiana they beat in the play in game. Yeah, actually. So yeah, they that but that's that's what it's come to. That's like a you know resounding success for that franchise at this point. Yeah, but in that season that they made the playoffs, they were still thirty four and thirty eight. <laughs> yeah, they were still thirty four and thirty eight. I'm actually interested uh, if you can find more bigger train wrecks. I, I want to talk about the biggest train wrecks in sports because the Wizards, they belong at the table. And and sadly enough, Bob, or a VFL was at the, the helm for a lot of that. Like a guy that they oh. used to really hate was Ernie Grunfeld Ernie. because he, yes. was, he was such a bad executive there. It was a vol kind of holding them down. But at least now he is, he is gone and can't get the blame anymore. It's very true. Bob. Let's go to break. <laughs> Sam sent us to break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. Still slow go traffic out here on 40 eastbound. Trying to get past Lovell Road between Campbell Station and Lovell Road. It's been slow for a while as traffic increases on Broadway through Fountain City. Uh, traffic's on the increase also down through Jefferson County, Sevier County. Dense fog all over East Tennessee this morning. Please be careful. Hey, turn your gold and silver coins into cash today at Fountain City Jewelers. They're right there next to Litton's Fountain City Jewelers. They are your Valentine's Day headquarters. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a... Love. 
It's going to be warm today. Feel the heat. That's what I was saying. John, were you a fan of uh, the movie Boogie Nights? Boogie Nights is a classic. It is one of my favorites of all time, and that scene is... uh, that's gold. <laughs> got to be honest, I've only watched it one time, though. I need to go back and rewatch oh. it. I, I've only watched it once, maybe five years ago, ten years, seven years ago, somewhere in there, but I need, I need to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, I've seen it uh, for sure three or four times. Maybe, uh, you know, it's one of those movies if you're, you know, surfing around on your TV and it shows up on one of the premium channels, I'll stop. Um, so good. It's so good. And, and that that song, notwithstanding, the, the soundtrack to it's fantastic, too. I mean, they just do an amazing job of uh, setting that era with music. But, uh, yeah, man, I just wanted to celebrate that it's warming up. And so I was like, feel the heat and, and hear some really, really bad singing, too. And that's not even the worst performance in that movie. There's another one where Mark Wahlberg's doing a song called You Got the Touch. And it's, it is awful. It's awful. It's you know he's a he's an adult film star that's decided he wants to become a musician, a <laughs> musical artist, and uh, doesn't doesn't go well. Sam, uh, make a note of that because we'll play it on the first like ninety degree summer day, and I, I wonder okay. if Bob talks about it the same glow as he is now that the no. snow's melting whenever it's ninety five degrees in the and it's heating up. But not, not at all. Let's get to a couple of uh, tweets and listener feedback. Uh, good job by you, Sam, for also for getting Coach O at LSU. Good job by you, also a national champion who took over and kind of uh, got the interim tag slash succession taken off of him and allowed. I don't know if that's the same thing because I don't think he was a coordinator as much as like, just kind of an interim coach who won the team over. Yeah. But we'll allow it. We'll allow it since the listener sent it in. Uh, another tweeter writes in saying that MJ loved Collins. He did not get him fired. That was all Jerry Krause. Which we didn't have a chance to talk about it, uh, Bob. But did you see the video that came out of Chicago last two Sundays ago, or two? I mean, it was two Saturdays ago, where Jerry Krause's widow, his his wife, was brought to Chicago to uh, you know honor honor him as they like you did some type of you know Legends of Chicago. And when Jerry Krause's name came up, they the crowd booed, and they're showing his widow, who at this point is was you know 70ish and in a wheelchair and listening to her late husband get booed and she's got tears in her eyes as like she feels like they're booing her as well. That was one of the worst moments of the of the year. I mean, I know the year's young, but that that's going to be hard to beat moving forward. No, nah, it was it was it was pretty horrible. I I did see it and um you know, Kraus was obviously hated by a lot of people, but the the just totally unnecessary. I think the Chicago Bulls deserve a spot on the list of biggest train wrecks. Now, I mean, of the last 20 years, yeah, if, I, if I'm making it the last 20 years, <clears throat> we, we don't get to talk about the championships of the 90s. That, that's gone. Since the championship, since Jordan retired, they have been a bottom, bottom five franchise, in my opinion, in terms of success and, and stability. Yeah, you know, we did a little uh, homework in the break when we were talking about let's, you know, let's uh, locate what we think could be some of the worst professional franchises. The great irony is top of the list that I've seen for a few, and it does make sense if you dis- if you just take out part of last season and this season is the Detroit Lions. Yep. Yep, the Lions, yeah. the Lions have kind of saved themselves because if we asked this question two years ago, there are two franchises that jumped to the top of the list, and that would be the Sacramento Kings, who hadn't you know made a playoff in, in 20 years. 
I believe the last one, the time they made the playoffs, was like 2003, prior to last year, and the Detroit Lions, and then the game probably ends. But at least now, both of those franchises seem to be on the upswing. But they, they deserve a seat at the table. Um, a couple more tweets. True or false, Bob, were you tiptoeing around saying that Utah has a lot of white people whenever we're talking about them having being perfect for a hockey team? Somebody tweeted that? Someone, someone messaged me that one saying, uh, yeah. Bob sounded like he was tiptoeing saying there were a lot of white people in Utah. <laughs> Never thought of that. Okay, so false. We'll say false. But it does make them perfect for a hockey team, though. It does make them perfect for a hockey team. That's a that's a that's a that's a fair question, I must say. Uh, another tweeter writes in saying you can't have a train wreck in Sportless without starting with the Oakland A's. Yeah. Now that, that yeah. to me that's a little bit of recency bias though. I agree. Over the last twenty years, Oakland made the playoffs a lot of times. Now, but they never won a series though. They never actually like broke through and won anything. But they had a sports movie made about their successes, although. How long ago was that Moneyball team? That that would have been around 2002, 2003, though, right? So that would fall out of the 20-year range yeah, we're talking about. They've actually had – this is a tough one because I saw that as well. And I, I would say, again, current day, it is a mess. Um, however, you go back way back to the 70s, they were a dominant franchise. Um, but they had bad ownership back then with Charlie Finley. They've they've been a very they've been a bit of a saga. Been very very successful, then horrible, then a little bit of success again, then horrible. But they are in a very they're in a rock bottom state right now. Um, I know they're moving to Vegas and they're talking about all that, but um, it's 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 sad to see because as a baseball fan, that's a franchise I've actually had a level of uh, admiration for just because they have figured out ways like the Moneyball era and others of how to how to compete. Well, yes and no. The Moneyball era, you know, did get romanticized, but at the same time, it, it got romanticized only because their owner was so cheap, right? Like, the Moneyball era had to exist because their ownership was so yeah. bad. And, like, maybe times are different. Maybe times are different now than they were 20 years ago, but there is no excuse, in my opinion, to be a cheap professional sports owner at this point. Like, there is so much money involved in, like, the high-level professional sports that like if you can't afford to run a team, you shouldn't have it. Well, it should, I, it should be gone. You should sell it, make a bunch of money, enjoy your your billions of dollars, and let someone else that has the money and has the funds and wants to see at the table to actually compete for championships. Let them have a crack at it. Well, let me counter to that when we talk about baseball because I don't think there's it, it, there's no salary cap. Sure, you know, and so well, yeah, that's that's the challenge. It's so for some of these teams, and it's it's no coincidence that it's smaller market teams and I, I would fit Oakland into that category too but Kansas City and they won a world title not that long ago but every other year surrounding that it been a disaster Pittsburgh really rich traditional franchise that hasn't won anything in a long time and it's they they can't compete with um, the Yankees the Dodgers who I'm a Dodgers fan I grew up a Dodgers fan and so it's great but oh, it, how convenient yeah uh, well, because I hated the Reds where I grew up. You and the Reds and Dodgers were in the same division back then. Um, so, but, but see what you're telling me. It, it kind of it, when you're when you're talking about it, it almost proves my point in my head. Maybe that's me being a little bit of a narcissist. But you telling me that there's no salary cap in baseball to me makes me think, yeah, like let as many owners with deep pockets who will spend the money. Like if you're the Reds, you know, for example, that's kind of the team I follow. I don't really, I gave up on baseball because of the way the ownership 
transitioned out of their era, you know, in 11, 12, 13, 14, and kind of sold all their team and just gutted it and went cheap, like, that kind of soured me enough to quit the team. You know, if I lived in Cincinnati, maybe I would have stuck, but I was like, I'm four hours away. I don't really care. It was easy to kind of cut them out. But they've been, you know, historically cheap over the last handful of years, much like Pittsburgh. And I don't know if it's the owners not having the money or just not wanting to spend the money, but there are enough hedge fund billionaires these days. You see it every time an NBA team goes up for sale. They they fetch three, four, five billion dollars. There's enough money that if you don't want to run the franchise and you're looking at it as like, hey, we got to cut cost here and you know save money, save a nickel here and and cut corners. To me, you shouldn't have the team. Like you can't convince me that you can't find somebody that would buy the Pittsburgh Pirates that would all of a sudden invest more money in them and actually try to give them a payroll to be competitive. Now, will they be able to catch the Dodgers who have billion-dollar TV deals? They can kind of fund the whole Shohei Itani deal just from their their market, you know, with Valley Sports or whatever does it out there? No. But they could spend more than, like, the $60 million their entire payroll is. I have a question for you. How do you think these billionaires make money? How do I think they make money? I mean, I don't know. If I knew, maybe I would try to make some myself. But, like, to me, I've seen enough of the new age owners be tech billionaires and be wealthy like independently. Yeah, smart business decisions is my point. And so what I think happens in baseball is the reason you aren't seeing some of these billionaires get involved is they're not going to make money. They're, sure. They're, they're not. As a matter of fact, they're going to bleed money in these smaller market teams because of the structure in Major League Baseball. So that's why I believe that's – yeah. I totally agree with you in the NBA, NFL. Those are leagues that print money for most of their franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, I that that to me is uh, that's that's a given. But in Major League Baseball, there's there's still that disparity that is that is signif- more than significant between the haves and the have-nots. And if I'm an owner or a potential owner or a billionaire that might want to be an owner. I'm going to look at that and be like, yeah, man, I, I, I've always had a dream to own something, but I don't want to just lose money hand over fist every single year. I understand that, but like, I don't know, maybe I just keep going back, and maybe there, maybe there are uh, you know a couple of anomalies, but like, Mark Cuban was willing to spend money in Dallas, but like, look at Steve Ballmer, who's like. Super, super rich, but he's like, my whole goal now is win a championship. I'm going to build a new stadium, a new arena in L.A. I'm going to rebrand. I'm going to give them everything I can give them because my life goal now is to win a championship. Because, Bob, in my opinion, you know, I've said this on the last, you know, for the last year or so on the radio, but, you know, I think it's, to me, almost an indisputable fact. Owning a professional sports team is the like the most elite rich club in America these days. Like, uh, that that's the way you can flex is to – be super rich, yachts, ah, whatever, mansions, ah, whatever. There's such a finite number of franchises that owning one of them is almost the biggest flex you can have among the uber wealthy. So I just think there are people that maybe aren't getting into it to make money as much as you know some just want to get into maybe win a championship. But also at the same same time, the way the franchise, I mean, every every val- every every franchise is raising in value, right? In terms of, you know, profitability, maybe not, you know, the day-to-day year-to-year stuff, but like just the terms of your asset. You know, you look at like the the Hornets, Michael Jordan bought them for like 200 million dollars. And like, you know, they just sold, they've been terrible. Like they sold for a like billion dollars. I mean, it was a, you know, five-time increase. So I feel like if you own the team, even if you might lose money year to year, like you can make your franchise become more valuable, which makes you money back on the back end. Like the Warriors were able to do that, right? In terms of spend luxury tax, do all this stuff, and go from 
an afterthought franchise to one of the most valuable franchises in the world. Same as the Patriots. Now, I know salary cap's a little bit different, but, like, the Patriots went from kind of a joke in the 90s and 80s to then, you know, the, the premier franchise. And every time you see most valuable franchises in America, you'll see the the Patriots in the top five now because of the championship pedigree and stuff. So I do think you could sacrifice losing some money year to year to kind of raise your maybe raise your total asset value. I don't know. I think a salary floor is more realistic than a salary cap in baseball. Yeah, yeah, saying like, hey, if you're going to own a team, you got to spend at least $100 million, mm-hmm. which some teams don't even get to. But, like, you can't tell me that there's not a billionaire somewhere that would buy the Tampa Bay Rays who have you know shown that they are a first-class organization. Like, they do what the A's did, but actually win playoff games and actually went to a World Series and actually seem to know, like, how to consistently build a contender. The Rays have been really good the last – 15 years, basically. But, like, you look at their stadium, it's a dump. You look at the way they try to, you know, they, they spend a little bit of money. You know, they signed, their, was it Franco, their, their shortstop? They gave him, you know, that $100 million deal or whatever until he, you know, got in trouble or whatever. But you can't convince me there's not somebody that would come in and kind of at least give a shot in the arm money-wise. Mm-hmm. Now, can they catch the Yankees and Dodgers? No. I don't know. But yeah. the A's, like, I mean, again, there could be better ownership there that makes them at least have a fighting chance, in my opinion. I don't, I don't know. I also just think baseball's so unique because it's just I don't, there's so many different ways to win in baseball. You know, sure. I mean, obviously you've seen it with Moneyball that a team that's in the bottom of the league in terms of spending can go and compete with the with the best. But yeah, I mean, I do feel like the disparity in terms of like payment of players has gotten kind and of And I'm not really that worried about salary. I mean, it is offensive that Bob's Dodgers and he wants to keep the little man down. So of course he's like, "Hey, focus on focus <laughs> on your payroll other teams. Allow the Dodgers to spend a billion dollars in free agency and and you guys just stay there eating crumbs. It's fine." But I'm not even talking about salary because you're right, Sam. If you can draft well and you can develop well and you develop a farm system, yeah, you don't have to spend money. But like I'm just really talking about like facilities. Yeah. Like, it's embarrassing to me that the Oakland A's and Tampa Bay Rays are able to be one of the 92 sports teams that matter. They had, like, possums living, right. in, the, living in the media, you know, like where the broadcast booth is in, in Oakland. It, it, it's terrible for the community or whatever that, you know, the A's are moving to Vegas. But, like, it was also embarrassing that the stadium they were playing in was a damn, you know. Football stadium. Yeah, like, it was terrible. <laughs> It was terrible. A great example, though, of, again, what we're talking about with baseball is uh, take the Reds, team you said you used to follow. They were they had a moment in time this past season where they were competitive. Sure. And they were winning, and they were actually in the mix. And I think some of this is, this is a whole different topic, but I, I'm going to point to it for just a second, and that is I think the baseball season's too long. And what I mean by that is it, you, fans lose interest but also teams like that who have that moment in time where they can get hot and be relevant. It's you just look at it and it's like, man, that's not gonna, that's not sustainable for them, and and it and it isn't. That's the problem. To me, baseball, it straddles the line and can't decide what it wants to be. So like, if you want to do 162 games and then have a four-team playoff because you like, hey, we want 162 games to provide the best, the largest sample of who our best teams are. And then we'll let these teams play, and we'll let them duke it out. And we'll we'll be the sport that crowns our actual absolute best team champion. That's fine. But now they're like 162 games, but also six playoff teams, and also we're going to keep a three game series for the first round and a five game series for the second round. And they're still going to be we're still going to try to create that parity that the NFL has. It, it's stupid. Like it has to, you have to shorten the season if you want parity. That's fine. Yeah. 
And back to the Dodgers for a second. What I've got to say is, even for me being a Dodgers fan, I was uncomfortable this season after seeing them oh, yeah. sign Otani. No, yeah. I really was. Like, good Lord, man, when does it stop? Because it's the very thing I've hated the Yankees for well, I was going to say, you're the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, that's what the they The Yankees don't even spin that way anymore. No, they've out-Yankeed the Yankees. Um, and, it's, and, and, and then they don't really win with it. They've won one World Series in the midst of all this, and that was in the COVID, you know, shortened COVID season. Yeah, it doesn't count, actually. It was an asterisk season. <laughs> it counts, but... Yeah. I don't know. When you look at all the other times the Dodgers choked in non-COVID seasons, I don't know <laughs> if I can count that one. But either way, whatever, we'll count it if you need it. Uh, you spend $10 billion on a team, hopefully you can win at least one championship, I would yes. say. But, yes. you know, yeah, the A's have been a train wreck just in the sense of running an organization. And, and they kind of mirror the biggest problem in sports, the most helpless feeling in sports, is just having a bad owner. There, there can't be a worse – like whenever we're talking a train wreck list of franchises, they're almost always going to have a common denominator of bad owner. It's impossible to be th- thought of as a good owner and just be a train wreck franchise. I know you didn't want the hockey reference, John. But no, like, if you got one, the I'll Coyotes take it. are terrible. Okay, I don't know. They play about, in a college arena. Yeah. Like they're they yeah. they have they talk about like dysfunction in terms of ownership and all that. Like they're and they're in all Arizona, the right? They're in Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, to me, that doesn't scream hockey, anyways. So instead of like getting a see, instead of getting a new franchise, just move that team. Yeah, just relocate. Because I mean, I do think for as bad as it is that this owner is going to get rewarded by going to Vegas and. You know, turning the A's into something, and you know, same way Mark Davis left Oakland and gets to turn the Raiders into a uh, an appealing franchise in Vegas. It's better overall for the sport. I hate that those owners are going to make more money now and be thought of as as good owners. Kind of the same way Stan, Stan Kroenke was able to move out of St. Louis and leave that franchise and leave that city and go to L.A. and win a Super Bowl, but still, it makes the league overall feel better and the facilities and everything. It looks more appealing. That's a bad franchise, by the way. The Cardinals, not the baseball Cardinals, the football Cardinals. Yeah. They've really never done much winning at all. And they're the oldest franchise, oldest franchise in the NFL. Ever, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I mean, bounce- the Bears and Packers are older, but I guess the Cardinals were in the NFL first, I think is what happens. I think the Packers and Bears were established in 19, and the and the Cardinals were established in 20, but were in the NFL from day one. And, have, I mean, had a little bit of a taste of success. I mean, went to the Super Bowl in our lifetime. It was a really good Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. The Kurt Warner year. Yeah. That's true. It was a really good Super Bowl. But, like, that year they were 9-7, and seven, so it wasn't like they were no. a, a dominant team. Got to mention the Browns, who kind of fit the same path that we talked about with the Kings and the, the Lions of really bad, but a little bit of recent success changes the way you think about them. Bengals. Bengals were a wreck till a couple years ago. The Bengals were really good in the 80s, right? Correct. And then really, really bad in the 90s? Yes. And then, yeah, of course, now I've kind of fixed things until, you know, Brian Callahan left. Now, you know, now that Brian Callahan's gone from the <laughs> Bengals, who knows? Maybe they they fall apart as well. But, yeah, that uh, that, that, worth, that that's worth mentioning. I'll say the Washington Commanders, at least whenever you look at the last 20 years with Dan Snyder. But, again, it goes back to what you said about the ownership. The ownership kind of runs this whole thing. Absolutely. Sam sent us to break. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. He also wouldn't go too much into details about Don Connect's pro prospects, but they are on the rise. They are on the rise. Uh, he, I think at this point, 
he has a really good chance of being a, a late lottery pick. Kind of following that Doug McDermott path we talked about. What was interesting was what, what did he say? He said something like he, he can shoot it deep, which, again, that's really what the game's become in so many ways. I mean, there's all other aspects of the NBA too, but that's that's like table stakes. If you're going to make it in the league, that's that's how you can differentiate yourself. Has Connect shown deep range like outside the three-point line? Like He hasn't shot many like too far off the three-point line, right? Or am I, am I misremembering? Cause I Maui, feel like he was pulling deep. Maui? Yeah. Okay. I feel like Maui he was pulling deep. I feel like in the SEC play, though, it hasn't been as I much. I feel like he shoots a lot of like corner wing threes, but kind of right on the line. The top of the key is usually at the, right at the top of the key. Not saying that he'll have trouble, you know, taking the step back to do NBA range three pointers, but I don't feel like he's got like the Chris Lofton bag where he's shooting three or four feet behind the the line because he has to create space because Connect can get a shot off over most people in college basketball. I still I still think back to that um, exhibition against Michigan State that that was kind of a where were you moment. Remember when Dalton did that dunk? Um, that that was like that was the moment we'd heard a lot about Dalton Connect, but I was just like, holy hell, that is a special player when you can do that. Yeah, I think that's where the light bulb went off for a lot of the fans because you see, quite frankly, you see white guy, and you assume a shooter. But yeah, that moment was a, hey, I actually have a lot of athleticism at the rim. There was the the game against Georgia where it was clear the the commentators and the play-by-play guy God, yeah. were unaware that he had that hop because they were you know, losing their mind that he had just a regular dunk. <laughs> and I'm like, did you not see the Michigan State game? Because he put somebody on a, I don't want to say a poster, Sam, because uh, do, do kids still have posters? You got any posters up in your room? I have some posters. <laughs> okay. Posterize, I didn't know if that was still a frame. You got any posters <laughs> of dunks? No, it's it's Tiger winning the Masters okay, with Tony but, Soprano on there. Okay, as well. so you do have a sports poster at least. Okay, so you, I'm sure the ladies love that when they come over. Uh, yeah, Sam that's my fist, Sandlot poster. Sam yeah. gives a fist pump uh, with with the ladies. Okay, is it, got is it. it in your living room? <laughs> it's a, it's right above my bed. <laughs> okay. I was gonna say. Well, well, okay, yeah, interesting. <laughs> but yeah, since uh, Don Connect put somebody on a. Hey, uh, Vine doesn't work anymore either. Used to like those dunks used to yeah. go on Vine. Uh, put somebody on a meme? No, no. I think poster's fine. Poster's I think it's still, still fine. good. Yeah. yeah. He, he TikToked him. He put him on a TikTok. Uh, <laughs> yeah, TikTok'd I, I don't know. Him. We'll still do poster, I guess. But yeah, the 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 Georgia commentators clearly hadn't seen that athleticism athleticism from Dalton. They thought yeah. he was just kind of white shooter that could not jam. <laughs> um. Back to Coach Polinski, though. Um, I'm excited for the rest of the season to be able to talk to you him each week. He's got some good insight. You don't want to stay on Sam's Tiger Woods poster above his nah, bed? It's, yeah, I think Sam's a little uncomfortable at this point. Where so. do you put Tony at? Where's Where's Tony at in the room? Uh, well, no, like it's on the same poster. It's, oh, it's the Tiger Woods. And so Tony you know Soprano? the picture of Tony Soprano when he's like when he's on the golf course and he's kind of looking yeah, disgruntled, like but yeah, yeah, it's with that the picture. To fall out of his mouth. It's it? that picture with. So, uh, the Tiger Woods, like, putting his hands above his head after the 2019 So it's Masters. a mashup, Yeah, basically. it's a little mashup. Wait, that's from it's the a, cookout, right? The, the the cigar in the mouth, that's from the cookout, right? It's Tony at, at the golf course. Okay. Whenever he's arguing with Uncle June? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm thinking of a different one where the cigar's falling out of his mouth. Yeah, I can't, I can't It's like a black and uh, – it's, it's a hard poster You'll to You'll have describe. to send a picture of it Yeah, to I'll, me later. I'll send a picture when I get uh, it. I'm sure it drives the, the women wild. <laughs> I'm sure it drives the women wild. Hey, I'm going to digress very quick, but it's on Sopranos' note. The What was the name of the movie that they did afterwards? The Many Saints of Newark. Yes. 
you just made me think about when he said Uncle June. Uh, the, the Corey Stoll character that played him, mm-hmm. uh, he was great, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, was a weird movie. I don't yeah. know if I liked it, but I, I never pre- watched it. I don't know if I liked it, but I appreciated it, I guess. The effort and, you know, really I think it was really just like, hey, look, here's here's his son. Here's, here's James Gandolfini's son playing him, and he did a good job. And it was really like, hey, look, his mom's really so awful. She's been awful her whole life. Yeah. But, like, other than that, they could have pretty much kept it, I guess. Other than, like, one reveal, maybe. Kind of came out, as I recall, like we were kind of on the remnants of, of COVID. Anything that came out that was, like, interesting to watch was, yeah. like, man, I'm so I'm so into yeah. that. So yeah, it was nice. But, yeah, looking forward to getting Coach Polinski on throughout the year. It would be nice to have a direct line kind of to campus and to the basketball team. And, you know, if something interesting does happen on Wednesday night, you know, we'll have a, the first shot at kind of getting an explanation or, or talking about it here on Thursday morning. Yeah, and he's a he's kind of a sneaky resource in that a lot of people, when I was telling them we have Coach Polinski on, you know, some of the guys at the station knew who that was. But others were like, wait, who is he? And it's like, man, this guy's done a lot. Highly regarded in the coaching fraternity. Uh, um yeah, it's. I think it's. Uh, it's going to be great for us. We're excited to have him on board. It's funny. I was talking to someone yesterday about it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I met him. He's super nice." And I was like, "Oh, I'm surprised you knew who it was." And like, "Yeah, yeah, it's good. Good person. He worked in the NBA for a long time with the New Jersey Nets, that then became the Brooklyn Nets. I guess we could have asked him about the train wreck that is the Detroit Pistons, but I didn't want to. You know, I, I imagine he wouldn't have wanted to besmirch his former employer, so we didn't get into that. But the the Brooklyn Nets part of it was funny. I don't know if you guys saw one of the funniest videos I saw of the year so far. It's in contention, and it's just audio with a little visual. And this could have very easily been us last week, Bob, when we were having to do our, our Twitter spaces instead of getting in the studio. But I guess this is a post-game call-in show or a just a State of the Union address from the Brooklyn Nets on spaces. But... I want you to listen to this video of uh, this guy giving his analysis as his world comes crashing down, and you'll be able to hear what I'm talking about. We've heard that that happened before. Hopefully that happens with Spencer Dinwiddie. And whether they choose to go as uh, Tam or they choose to whatever, just make it. Eric? Yep. You okay? Yep, I am. I got to head out, guys. All right, let us know you're all right, man. And I, and I heard that, and I'm just giggling because, well, A, we had a whole week of spaces where luckily we were trapped in the house and we weren't driving on the road. But as many times as we've had voluntary reaction, as many times as we've had people calling in, and I was like, have we ever heard a car wreck like that? It was almost like a cartoon the way it wrecked. <laughs> the squeaky brakes yeah. is what gets me. <laughs> just that's good. Well, the other one, too, is, again, I, I feel like uh, – when I heard that, and he said, "Yeah, you know, I gotta go," his his response was far different than mine. Probably would have been if I was in a car wreck like that. I, I there probably would have been some uh, expletives that uh, are not suitable for this show. You might be right. On the other hand, you might be so embarrassed that you're trying to keep it quiet and hope no one heard. But of course, we heard this. Just make it. <laughs> you can just hear the tires squeaking and. And he's keeping his composure. I'm, I'm only imagining what's going through his mind. And I, I don't know if I want to give credit to the, the quote-unquote co-host or I want to reprimand them because, to me, it's really funny. 
And if I was doing a radio show and I heard my co-host get into a wreck, I don't know if I would laugh or not, but I, I guess they do seem concerned for him. Eric? Eric? Yep. You okay? Yep, I am. I got to head out, guys. <laughs> How do we feel about Eric just kind of no-selling it and just be like, I got to go? He needed to give way more context to that. I feel like you have to, right? I feel you like you have to give be like, oh, my God, yeah, just uh, as you probably heard, wrecked. Ha, ha, ha. Well, <laughs> got to get my insurance card. And Stacey's like, yep, I got to go. And you can hear the the blinker, his hazard lights. The tire squeal and then the impact noise. That's inside the car. That's that's a big wreck, man. That was not just a little fender bender. That was like, that's damage. Let's Let's play the third one again. I want to hear just the blinker going off at the end of it. Eric? Eric? Yep. You okay? Yep, I am. I got to head out, guys. <laughs> yep, I got to head out, guys. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Oh, God. So whenever we had, you know, Coach Polinski on, and I'm looking at his, 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 his resume, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> that, that's, that, that, that perfectly lines up with one of the funniest things I saw yesterday. Woo. How has it not happened to us? I did a radio show one time, Bob, driving all the way down to Florida. I did a three-hour radio show with a microphone holding my hand doing this. This could have easily happened to me. On the interstate, just me cruising, violating uh, hands-free laws. That is not safe. No, my, no it's uh, not. My wife, Safety Sue, would tell you that the, she, she, that's her biggest fear with me is that I'm doing like texting while I'm driving yeah. and all this other stuff. Which is not true. I don't do it. If 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 Safety Sue is listening, Bob is a voice to text guy. He will send you a good voice memo, and you'll you'll know that like, hey, this is him not on his phone. It's him holding it and giving you what he needs to tell you. That's right. That's in, absolutely right. In a voice note, which I kind of like. There's not very many people in my life that send me voice notes except Bob, but I kind of like it. Those are good, man. Those are. I mean, I'm not. I don't mean my messages are good, but those oh. are. Those are good. <laughs> very inspirational, Bob. Bob. Yeah. Bob will leave me a voice memo and just be like, "Hey, great job today. You're so good. Keep it going." I don't recall that happening, but I no. I I like the convenience of the voice. Uh, it's just like voicemail, honestly. Yeah. It's just, you just don't have to dig into your phone like you used to. And Apple does a good job of transcribing them because a lot of times I just read what you wrote instead of uh, actually yes. listening. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Hey NBA, real quick. This is this is questionable to me, but um, maybe it speaks more to uh, Zach Levine. The Pistons and the Bulls have been in discussions on a Zach Levine trade to the Pistons to the Pistons oh. for Bo- for uh, for Bojan Bogdanovich and one of their core young players. Yeah, I mean to me, this is just the Bulls looking and saying, "Hey, we got to get off this Zach Levine contract because yeah, his extension I don't even think is really kicked in. I mean, they owe him a hundred and $60 million moving forward, and the Bulls, who I, again, think is one of the biggest train wrecks in the NBA, they are you know kind of stuck in that 10-seed mediocrity, and, and, and Zach Levine is a guy that's not going to make them better, so you'd rather you know get off that contract if you can. Yeah, it's just so odd, though, that the Pistons are like, what, we've won four games or whatever, this is going to make us that much better. I, I can't imagine they would care. I'd be building for the future, too, if I were them. But maybe well, they'll get something, um, maybe there's some other... Well, consideration well, draft picks or what, what I would say about building to the future for the Pistons is they are a team that's been picking in the top six yeah. for like seven straight years. And Cade Cunningham is, is solid, I guess. But like their method of just drafting isn't working. So at a certain point, you need some like actual NBA professionals there to make you a legitimate team. And 
you know, maybe Zach Levine could go there and help them win a couple more games and at least get them off of laughing stock status. Yeah. yeah. Depending on how good the young guy is they want back. But, like, if you're Chicago, your goal is to trade Zach Levine and it's probably to trade DeMar DeRozan, who's a free agent, I believe, after the year. Like, you you got to kind of maybe sell Caruso, too, and, and try to get some draft picks and move on. But the core you have isn't working. Yeah, it says, and and Detroit smartly is saying they have no interest of including Cunningham, Jaden yeah, Ivey, yeah. Osar Thompson, or Jalen Duran in the deal. So they're yeah, you can get James Wiseman. Enjoy yeah. a James Wiseman, Chicago. There you go. But like Levine's going to get moved, and you know, I could see the Lakers getting desperate enough to bring him there, but I also think he might be a perfect third option for the Lakers if they're able to kind of get him because he is a guy that's going to shoot and. He's one of those guys, if you put in the right system, maybe it works. But if you put in a bad system like Detroit, it's probably going to be a train wreck. Because he's going to get there and say, yeah, now i got my own franchise. Here comes 30 shots a game. I'm surprised how much love there is for Bruce Brown. The Lakers covet him a lot, too. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. Because I think Bruce Brown proved that he is a winning basketball player. He right. kind of fits that same criteria of Alex Caruso. And, you know, going back to Tennessee talk, he fits the criteria of Josiah Jordan-James. Not going to be a big score, but is going to do everything on the basketball court to kind of help you win. And I do think when it comes time for the playoffs, I do think the the Detroit Nuggets are going to miss Bruce Brown. I think that that he was a key part of them last year winning the title. So like yeah, the any team, any contender should be looking for Bruce Brown, just like any team should be looking for Alex Caruso. Yeah, as a Pacer fan, I was a little bummed to see them have to trade him to get Pascal Siakam, but I I understand it and. Um, yeah, I agree with you. He he's just a winner. Um, he does a lot of intangibles, and I guess maybe I was going to say Lakers brass, but probably LeBron is uh, seeing that. He's probably whispering in Rob Palenka's ear. Well, it's funny that you know one of the guys I'm talking about, Alex Caruso, the Lakers did have, which was a perfect fit next to LeBron James. I I still need an explanation, and maybe in the documentary of LeBron James that we get, it's going to be like a 20 part Last Dance type of documentary, except over his whole career. Maybe they'll have at least a, a minute snippet of how they took a championship roster with, with KCP and Alex Caruso and lost both of those guys for, like, you know, and, and Kyle Kuzma. Three really good, perfect role players for LeBron and turn it into Russell Westbrook and, and nothing else because, you know, that I thought those guys fit perfectly next to LeBron. So now they're chasing a guy like Bruce Brown. By the way, have the Pacers won since they traded for Pascal Siakam? <laughs> no, they haven't. I was gonna say I, I see that they're uh, five, uh, one and five in the last six games. I was just curious. Yeah, they were really hot, and then they made the deal, and they've lost. They played two games. They lost to Portland, and then lost to Denver the other night. They really Phoenix as well on Sunday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So three times. Uh, Denver is a game they could have won though. They were actually up one point with like two minutes to go, and fell apart. They need Halliburton back. He's hurt again, or not hurt. He's just they're managing his uh, previous yeah. injury. So. Trade deadlines in two weeks, though, so you'll see, you will see some stars get moved. That is one thing the NBA always delivers on is some movement. So if you like player movement, uh, some will be coming, and it usually involves the big teams. All right, let's catch a break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Ever been there? Just kind of putting a bow on the conversation we had as I run through some submissions of uh, biggest train wreck in pro sports. Buffalo Sabres, yes or no, Sam? Yeah, hockey. Yeah, they're pretty. They're down there. The Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I, I will say at least like they feel maybe good about the Joe Flacco. Kind of washed away some of the bad vibes and at least got him to the playoffs, but they did just give two hundred fifty-five million dollars to the nasty man, all guaranteed, not too long ago. So. 
not not in the best position. <laughs> Our own Tucker Harlan says the Raiders. Eh, I, I think the I think they're bottom bottom half for sure, but not the worst. The Jets. My sack of bleep Miami Dolphins. Okay, you're not no. the biggest train wreck. I understand you no. might be. I understand you might be a little down in the dumps after the end of the season, but not the biggest train wreck. Uh, the Jets, the Rockies, NBA, no idea, and who cares? Okay, Jacksonville Jaguars. I would say. I mean, I know they've that they got to a conference championship game at one point, maybe two times, but. Um, and they're playing pretty well now, but boy, they were, they were, I felt right with the lions as the dregs of the NFL at one point. Yeah. I mean, the urban ago. Meyer stuff was probably rock bottom. Yeah. Good point. The, the fans in the stands with, cl- you know, with clown makeup on as they knocked your Indianapolis Colts out of the playoffs. Yeah. Don't want to talk about that. Carson Wentz. That's, that's the savior in Indianapolis. Carson Wentz. I still can't get over that. Manchester United, Mets, Athletics, Panthers, Bears. Okay. So there's where people's uh, submissions. You wanted to get back to TR's topic of just uh, our yes of our best players, our, our, our Hall of Famers, our GOATs. Jordan Moore, who helps the station and works for the station on overtime, he, he made the claim that Tennessee has the best Mount Rushmore of any college town. Yeah, his uh, post says, Name me a university that has a better Mount Rushmore in the top four revenue athletic programs than the University of Tennessee. And the ones he put up there were Peyton Manning, Bernard King, Todd Helton and Candace Parker. It's not bad. It's a, that's a pretty good four when you look at it that way. Yeah. I mean, most schools would push back and talk about women's basketball not being a real revenue sport or baseball being a you know real revenue sport. But the point remains, those are still most schools' four main, yes. main sports. And like I said, I, I think you have a claim for Peyton being the greatest. I think you got claim for Candace being the greatest. Bernard King, of course, not not the greatest, but he was really, really damn good in college. And then if you're taking pro into account as well. Todd Helton, his actual college accolades, I mean, he was was he was he at that level of the other players? Because I mean, we're talking about Peyton Manning, who was Heisman Trophy runner up. We're talking about Candace Parker, who two time national champion. We're talking about Bernard King, who was, you know, All-American. Was Todd Helton, did he have those accolades in college, I guess? I know he batted like over 400 and I assume was an All-American. This is a great one. Somebody commented. National Baseball Player of the Year after his junior year. Yeah, okay, he, was, the, he was like that in Yeah, the, the Dick sure. Hauser trophy. Yeah. Where, how high was he drafted? Do you know at all? Um, See if you can get the, his actual draft. Eighth position. overall pick, 1995. Eighth overall pick. Okay, yeah. This is a comment, and it's from somebody who I'm guessing might be a Michigan fan. Wrote, if we want to be real, an easy comp is Michigan. Brady better than Manning. Larkin better than Helton. Weber better than King. And it's like, hmm. Okay. Who's the women's basketball player, buddy? (laughs) Well, he also said that's, you know, uh, Candace Parker, revenue sport, you know, that thing. But my point is, is I don't. I'd say it is debatable, Barry Larkin versus Todd Helton. That's like, you know, and and Chris Webber versus Bernard King, as far as body of work in the NBA, I, I, I'm I sorry. I, I, I disagree with that dude, but um, I'm sure there's other schools who are going to say, you know, hey, we've got our four that are 
as good, if not better. Yeah, but. I mean, USC, I don't know if USC has a basketball player. Who's the best USC basketball player of all time besides Bronny James? Like, Cheryl I mean, Miller. Well, yeah, I was going to say women's basketball. Cheryl Miller, to yeah. me, like she's the – she is Candace Parker as far as I'm concerned of a, of a different generation. Maybe I'm just getting kind of – maybe I just like her and take it back to that part of Reggie Miller's documentary which talks about scoring 100 points in high school and all that. But she, she was the best women's basketball player of like the, the 1990s, right? I yeah. Mean, I, I, think that's, that's, I think that's fair to say. UCLA, um, thinking of the West Coast, uh, obviously great basketball players. Football, a little iffy there. Baseball, they had great baseball players too. First one that came to mind was Trevor Bauer, but I don't think I want to put him <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, Kareem for basketball would, would have that spot. Yeah. Who's the best UCLA football player of all time? God, is it Aikman? I mean, Aikman had a good career, but I mean, yeah. Aikman to me is a right guy, right guy, right place type of thing, right yeah. time. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't think he is an elevator by any means, or, or I don't think you could put him on any organization and have success. Like, I think Peyton Manning could have built a team anywhere in terms of his greatness and his offense and all that. Like, Aikman was on a really good team with a really good offensive line and was able to yeah. kind of hand the ball off to Emmett Smith. Freeman McNeil was an elite running back at the college level. Played in the pros was okay. He's uh, he, he. You guys won't remember him, but um, Jonathan Ogden went to UCLA. Okay, that's that, really that's probably their best football player. Then. Yeah. Now you could argue about you know putting an offensive lineman on your Mount Rushmore, but he is probably thought of as one of the best left tackles ever. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say like maybe the best offensive lineman ever, but at least in the conversation. Okay. So yeah, it's. It's an interesting one to debate. Um, I will say to me, Barry Larkin, maybe it's the Reds in me or whatever, but I do think he had a better career than Helton. I mean, we, just when you look at All-Stars, Larkin was a 12-time All-Star and, and Helton was a five-time All-Star. I, I think that's a pretty big difference. And unlike football and the Pro Bowl, like I do think All-Stars and baseball kind of tell a big story. That's fair. I didn't realize Helton, or not Helton, that uh... – Larkin had that many All Star yeah. appointments. Yeah, was a nine time Silver Slugger, which means uh, that means he was the best batter at his position, right? Right. Larkin had a better MLB Helton, career for sure. I think Helton, Helton had, four, had a much better college career. Helton had four uh, Silver Slugger awards. So yeah, Barry Larkin better than that, better than Todd Helton for sure. But again, it comes down to the conversation: Are we taking pros into account or college? Are we weighing them evenly or what? Because Tom Brady also wasn't as good in college as as Peyton Manning. Yeah, didn't play much. UCLA baseball player, probably the best one in its current day is Garrett Cole. Okay. That's, um, they have Didn't a bunch. Jackie Robinson go to UCLA? He, he did. That's a very good one, yeah. Yeah, Jackie Robinson would be on the uh, the old Mount Rushmore yeah. <laughs> instead of Garrett Cole. I, I like the spider tack, whatever the hell he had on his, on his breaking balls, but yeah, Jackie Robinson probably gets that nod. So we got Jonathan Ogden, Kareem. Jackie, Jackie Robinson, Robinson. and We're probably and, not beating that. <laughs> I don't know who's the women's basketball player. Damn it, probably a women's basketball player. Ann Myers. Okay, Ann Myers. I, I have heard that name before. Yeah, she was married to Don Drysdale, who Tr talked to uh, talked about earlier. Um, of course, okay. Drysdale's no longer with us, but cross the Mississippi River though, and you're not finding one. That's right, Tennessee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did we find a uh, USC basketball, basketball? player? I mean, like Demar Derozan, maybe. I yeah, don't know. That, like I, mean, I don't think USC has had a ton of ML, uh, NBA talent come through there. They had to maybe back in the day. Paul Westfall, okay. Um, Gus Williams, OJ Mayo, Nikola Vucevic. He might be the oh, best. Vucevic went there. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they've never they've always been kind of the afterthought in LA as far as college basketball. Nick Young. 
Nick Young, <laughs> Swaggy P. <sighs> Do they get disqualified because yeah, I'm looking at Ranker, the best USC players of all time. DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic, Paul Westfall, Harold Miner, Taj Gibson. Okay, so yeah, USC, despite you would think they would have better teams and better players throughout their history. But does their football team is, is the best USC player of all time? Is it is it the juice? Who who goes on the Mount Rushmore for USC football? You could do a whole thing for that. Yeah. Reggie Bush. Yeah. I don't know if it's Reggie. There's a lot of just really good running yeah. backs. I, I don't know if it was O.J. Simpson or not. He's the most famous. What about LSU? Slash infamous. All right, LSU. LSU, uh, yeah, I'm sure they got a baseball player. They do. They've got uh, Alex. Not a Hall of Famer, though. I'll tell you that much. They don't have a They don't have a Hall of Famer. No, they got Alex Bregman. That's probably their best player uh, so far that I'm seeing here. But Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Shaq. 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 Angel yeah. Reese. Angel Reese. Okay. Yeah, Shaq. Shaq, uh, obviously, really good. Joe Burrow. Could Auburn? Charles Barkley, Barkley. Frank Thomas, uh, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Who's yeah. the women's basketball player? I don't know, yeah. You got to find a women's basketball that's, player. That's where it. we win, baby. It's Candace Parker. It's yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, and if we're just doing Mount Rushmore figures, yeah, how about we'll put on Pat Summit? Yeah. Yeah. Pat Summit instead of instead of Candace Parker. How about that? This will tell you um, when you go on Google and you look up great Auburn women's basketball players. Some of these other sports, there's like 30, 40 of these names for the Auburn, Auburn's women basketball players. There's ten. Um, Any names you know? No, and and actually one of them is repeated. <laughs> Honesty Scott Grayson is her name. Uh, they Take that, them. Auburn. You, we, we, we like to talk about women. So throw, throw Monica Abbott on there, too, by the way. We'll get in the softball. We'll really start We'll start spreading it out. <laughs> but, I mean, like, yeah, almost any SEC school, at least in baseball, you'll be able to say, actually, not a Hall of Famer. Except for Auburn, of course, with Frank Thomas. I don't know if Bernard King moves the needle in terms of the casual fan. When you talk about his greatness. Yeah. Like, at Tennessee, I think, you know, we have been conditioned or at least educated enough to know that, like, yeah, he was a bad boy. Like, three-time SEC Player of the Year. Like, he was here for three years. He won SEC Player of the Year all three times. Like, I I don't know if anybody has as many as him. I would imagine no one has more than him. I would imagine. Two-time All-American. And then, yeah, you get to the NBA and... Had a up and down career at times. I think he battled some substance abuse, you know, during a, a portion of his career. I believe he got injured as well. But like his overall status in, in NBA circles is still thought of really positively. He's still a Hall of Famer. He's still a guy that had pretty high peaks, you know, in terms of led the NBA in scoring, I believe, won a scoring championship in 85. So that was when Jordan was there. How about that? <laughs> 32.9 points per game. You know, it was, it was pretty high ceiling. Then he got hurt, and that was kind of uh, the end of him as an elite player, except he had one year in 91 where he got back up to 28 points a game. But, yeah, the King, King's as good as anybody in, in SEC basketball history as far as maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe there will be somebody that's like, no, you forgot about this guy. Like Shaq. Shaq's probably number one just because of the championships and, like, being, you know, HD. I guess HD wasn't around in – Whenever he's winning championships just yet, but still like, you know, modern, modern basketball. So Shaq's maybe number one, Barkley number two, but King to me is just as good as anybody else after that. 
He'd be up there. The, the old school folks, I'm sure TR would say it's Dan Issel at Kentucky, had a huge pro yeah. career. Um, he might be the best Kentucky player, which is saying a lot, given how many Kentucky players have come through. Because some Better them, than Anthony Davis? Well, but yeah, I mean, he's been great. What, how many years did he play there? One? Yeah, I, I'm, so I'm asking like, if you're balancing. Yeah. like Because yeah. like King, you know, three years at Tennessee, that's that's a full career, basically, right. as far as we're concerned. And, right. and then, of course, the NBA career. But yeah, like... Davis did win a championship in his one year, though, so I do like judge that differently than like Demarcus Cousins and John Wall and agreed like one and done guys that didn't win a title. Davis was, you know, a difference maker in that. So tomorrow, we've got uh, heading into big weekend of college basketball, NFL playoffs. We're gonna have a couple guests. Yep, we'll do a little preview of uh, Vanderbilt. This one should be kind of boring, I guess. With uh, Stats by Will. He'll try to make Vanderbilt sound like a threat, I guess, but they're, they're a train wreck. And we're going to bring on a guy tomorrow who's uh, a bit of an expert when it comes to uh, a little bit of sports betting, namely in college basketball. Uh, a guy by the name of Eli Hershkovich, um, who has been doing this for a while, and he's, uh, he's somebody we're going to probably bring on during college basketball season as we head into a big weekend of games. I think he'll be a good resource come tournament time too um but uh, we're excited to have him on tomorrow as well the human highlight factor you gotta give a shout out to my boy dominique he was also mm-hmm. he's also like in the top six top seven conversation of all-time sec basketball players when you add in their nba career as well and if you yeah with georgia if you wanted to change that mount rushmore a little to golf players holy cow yeah i mean that is a factory with professional golfers yeah well, we cut it off at women's basketball and softball. <laughs> golf, uh, we're not, we, they don't even put that on TV. Come on. They don't even put that on TV, right? You can't watch college, college golf anywhere on TV. Yeah, you get a couple true. tournaments a year. Yeah. That's very true. All right, that does it for us. The G.I. Jake Show coming up next. Stay locked in on Fan Run Radio.